set. Places, everybody. And action. Hi, guys. You're listening to Black Girl Film Club, a podcast where two Black women discuss movies. I'm Brittany. And I'm Ashley. And on this week's episode, we're discussing The Watermelon Woman from 1996, directed by Cheryl Dunye. So it is Pride Month, and we're here with a banger of a film. <laughs> um, so we're discussing The Watermelon Woman, and we picked this one because there aren't really many films like this one around. No, this is probably one of the few where I would be like, you might be hard pressed to find something <laughs> close enough to something like this. It's very few and far in between. This is actually like historical, this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first one like it. There hasn't been any film since it was made like it. Um, it features a black woman filmmaker who's a lesbian who is trying to dig back in the history of film to learn more about a particular woman that she has failed. She's fallen in love with this woman um, in early film and is digging through the archives to find more about this woman. Mm -hmm. And I like when we were kind of discussing like what we were going to do for this month, I was like, Hey, let's, Let's do the Watermelon Woman. And in revisiting this film, I kind of felt like it was important um, in a lot of ways because I know we say this a lot about a lot of different things, but it's become more timely because we're losing recipes <laughs> in, <laughs> in film preservation as we move to the digital age. Um, whole archives of films are being lost as uh, streaming services decide to just delete artists' work, TV shows, films, as like they don't see them worthy of being hosted any longer. So we're like losing people's long, hard work. And we are also losing like artist stories. We see like libraries determining that, you know, Queer LGBT um, books aren't shouldn't be shared. Stories about uh, marginalized groups shouldn't be on shelves. You know, you're taking away histories of Black people, queer people every day, and it's just a fight to have people's stories told, our stories told. So when I was watching this, I was like, no, like this mm -hmm. is an important film. Yeah. So that's why we're talking about it today. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is very important for all the reasons that you said. Um, it's real scary hours out here. The worst thing about the streaming era is that is most of these things are not getting physical releases. You used to get physical releases for things. It's a larger problem across multiple things. I think people are starting to realize that because I don't think when, you know, the streaming era started, we never considered that they would take them off. Like maybe you might not have it um, available 
for like a couple of months or it might be on a different channel. You might be able to rent it. But when you have these like digital first, digital only productions and you can't rent it from YouTube or you can't rent it from wherever and it's never had a physical copy, it only exists on somebody's USB drive. (laughs) It's kind of uh, worrisome. It's very worrisome. So I'm glad that this got its re-release and also its restoration. This is a movie I think that people will be like, I've there's no movie like this exists ever. And it's just like, here you go. This is why preservation is important to show you that things do exist. Like we're not just operating in a bubble. People are making art that speaks to marginalized and very, I don't want to say niche, but like theoretically in the film world, niche type subjects. And, you know, it's just um lots to ponder out here right now. <laughs> And this, um, the Watermelon Woman will be um, joining the Criterion Collection, I think, in July? I do not remember, but I will look. Yes, I believe it will be part of um, their July releases along with um, like After Hours. Oh, yeah, After Hours. Yes, you're right. So it will be released in July. Um, it will be released with After Hours, like you said, and there's a Breathless, One False Move, and some other things that I don't quite recognize. Um, so yeah, this is important. If you have a chance to go buy this movie, like you should absolutely take the opportunity. Criterion's a little better with keeping things mm-hmm. <laughs> available. Um, I mean, they're, you know, there's kind of limited to licensing just like everybody else but I don't think they're actively trying to sabotage and bury artist work so that's really cool so yeah go go get this when you can it's really good don't let the the cover of this fool you (laughs) because sometimes I would look at the cover of this I'm like I'm getting I'm getting what's that Spike Lee movie bamboozled I'm getting a little bamboozled Mm -hmm. sometimes I was like I'm a little nervous (laughs) so the film like the title of the film was inspired by one of my favorite movies um and that is the watermelon man directed by melvin van peoples um and we i believe i talked about it a little bit on our way what like when we covered sweet bags uh you might have badass (laughs) um a long long time ago so that's kind of like where the title come came from um sweet sweet backs badass song song, yes oh bless um so like that's kind of where the title came from if you want to know what that particular film is about it's very different that is a film about a white man who is he's a racist and he wakes up um as a black man and has to live his days as a black man and experience all of the experiences of a black man so that includes racism discrimination and just have a black life so that's what the waterman Mellow man is about does he does he come to learn he learns some lessons in that. <laughs> <laughs> and of course it's made in 1970 so and it's played it's- by a black man who's in white face for the beginning yes. of the movie yes so that's crazy <laughs> we have so many <laughs> We have so many. I see your sons, Mar- <laughs> Melvin. I see your sons because <laughs> they're still mad about white chicks. So, um, 
let's get to watermelon woman <laughs> every time i look let me let me close this uh <laughs> let me close this wikipedia thing because the, the poster is is making me upset so the watermelon woman has a very interesting backstory um i did a, some reading on cheryl and looked up her um kind of like her story and some interviews that she's done um because i guess like this movie wasn't really i'm sure that people who knew about this movie you know in certain circles but the first time i think it came to my attention was a, maybe like five years ago which i can't remember why i grabbed that one i think because maybe criterion had had said like oh you know gave a synopsis or something because I'm pretty sure I watched this on like Criterion or Film Truck or whatever existed at that time I was like oh that's different and interesting and then I think it got maybe a lot more prominence in 2020 because Criterion put it on their like black voices <laughs> whatever yeah, we were doing back then it was one of those collections on the front page yeah. during the summer. But it was during... no paywall. That was the yeah. big thing. So everybody could watch it. So I think maybe more people kind of got acquainted with the movie that I hadn't been before. Um, but Cheryl's story is interesting. So she was born in Liberia. She grew up in Philadelphia where this movie is set. Um, and she was originally like a video artist. Um, and she was like making like video art um, in Philly and New York. And then I believe she said she got like a grant or something for like an MFA at Rutgers. Because at first she was like, I can't afford to go to do an MFA or whatever. And they're like, no, we'll pay you. So she's like, sign me up. She's like, I don't even, I don't think that what her art that she used to do is kind of like as prominent as like other forms of digital media. Um, but she made a few short films they've been collected in on a dvd called the early works of cheryl denier um and she has like this kind of documentary style where it's kind of like fiction but it's documentary so first time i watched this i was like is this real but it's not real but isn't no because <laughs> it has a mix of like reality and fiction um which is very interesting because like some of the pictures that they use in this movie they had to like stage a lot of them mm -hmm. a lot of the historical pictures in this movie but then you'll see a picture of like 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 Ella Fitzgerald and I was like wait so <laughs> is it real is it not real I'm, I'm having trouble so um yeah she calls these denouementaries we love mm -hmm. a portmanteau <laughs> the black community loves a portmanteau um so this movie is considered like a landmark film because it is like the first feature film directed by a black lesbian an out black lesbian um where it's telling a black lesbian story because this is about a woman named cheryl played by cheryl who is making a film project on quote unquote the watermelon woman who was an actress in the 30s who primarily played like mammy roles um, but she's not credited with her real name. She's called the Watermelon Woman. So she's doing a bunch of research to figure out like who this woman is. And then she discovers a little bit more about um, her, but also kind of like the lesbian scene in the 30s and 40s. They kind of lumped it in with this group of filmmakers and movies called like New Queer Cinema. Like every few years we get like a, a new lumping together because you have like the French New Wave and things like that. Um, so I don't know. I feel like there's been a couple people who like claim to coin this, but Wikipedia said that B Ruby Rich 
coined this in 1992 in uh, Sight and Sound magazine. Um, and this new queer cinema would include My Own Private Idaho, Paris is Burning, Young Soul Rebels, The Living End, and Go Fish, which was, I think, either written or definitely stars one character in this movie. <laughs> I forget if it's written by, I'll, I'll have to dig in my notes a little bit. Um, and this movie was also selected for preservation in the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress for being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. So this is a big deal. This is a big deal of a movie. I, it's also interesting that Cheryl apparently was the only person who was like, hey, can we like restore this movie? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like she was the only person nobody like reached out and was like, hey, because when Criterion put our movie up, she said that they didn't reach out to her. I was like, we got to get it together, Criterion. Let's let's figure it out, baby. <laughs> I watched the Watermelon Woman like a few years ago, like I said, but then I really I recently recognized her because she has done uh, quite a bit of TV in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, starting with um, Queen Sugar, because for those who don't know, the whole um, I guess initiative around the first season. I don't know if they I don't know if they continue this throughout the whole series but the first season definitely um had initiative with every director was a woman i don't remember if it was i don't think it was all women of color but definitely every director of of all the episodes of the first season were women and cheryl i guess had reached out to eva um like they were kind of cool over like twitter or instagram or whatever and then um I think they met each other like by chance somewhere. And she was like, hey, what's up with that queen sugar? <laughs> and so she started directing. So she did a bunch of episodes. I think she did um, two episodes of season two. Um, she also became the producer director of season four. I'm not really sure what that all entailed. Um, but she's also directed episodes of Claws, The Shy, Dear White People. I know her from <laughs> directing two episodes of season two of Bridgerton. Shout out to my babies <laughs> Kate Anthony she did the two episodes where they finally do it thank god because that was a slow burn forever so um when she popped up in one of the interviews I was like excuse me I had no idea you were you were in this and she had some very nice ideas of like what well, how to make this not look too exploitative and stuff because you know Bridgerton be doing a lot sometimes um and she also directed Lovecraft Country or an episode of Lovecraft Country and Umbrella Academy the Umbrella Academy so she's done a lot recently like she only started doing mm-hmm. tv in like 2017 if you look read her interviews and stuff she talks a lot about like the independent film world and um how it worked because they asked her i think in vanity fair um they asked her maybe a couple years ago they said you know what was it like to direct this film and did you know were people beating down your door <laughs> afterwards you know kind of like now you have these big conglomerates marvel that will pick up you know the latest hot director du jour and kind of i guess to get some like awards credibility (laughs) Mm. and she was like yeah i was not like that when i directed this movie i think she had a lot of issues maybe to like get it even distributed so you know that kind of goes into like another issue with film where we have all these things that people are not seeing and 
they could be seeing, but then some distributor, and I talked about this too. <laughs> when I ranted about Criterion that one time, I was like, put the movies out there. Stop bullshitting us. <laughs> so, you know, you never know. Somebody's film that might be like groundbreaking, um, life-changing cinema is probably locked up in somebody's storage facility, never mm-hmm. to be shown. So dirty game out here, a dirty game. But um, yeah, she basically has said like, I can, I have done these things because I have made these things. Like I have made this happen. You know, it wasn't like anybody Mm -hmm. put me on. So shout out to her. She's, she's Mm -hmm. about her shit. Yeah. This film was like a work of love and ambition. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of it was grant funded. She got work from the arts council. She got a lot of grant money to make it. And a lot of the people in the film were like, friends and people she met through her community to be in the film um and she just made it happen like I watched like an interview um that like is available is really like short it's on Criterion on like how she had everything come together and a lot of it was just like no I had to like do all of this like myself like this is basically me doing this for me because I wanted it to happen um and she was like inspired by y'all bear with me with the name of the book because I almost bought it because I was like curious myself when I was oh, like gosh I'm nervous going to go back like a couple like last year to buy I'm it nervous. okay um so like when she was like working on some of her short films um she wanted to know about like who in the history of film was like a lesbian like who in old hollywood was lesbian because she wanted to know more about film history and she was reading toms coons mulattoes mammies and bucks by donald bogle and it has like an entire history of black hollywood old black hollywood and no one in that entire book like identified as queer and she was saying like i know someone in old Hollywood was likely queer, but in records of old Hollywood, it's not there. Like we don't have record keeping of that. And that kind of like inspired her to make this film. She's like, well, if I don't have those records, what am I gonna do? Like, we need to be here. Like we need to have our records shown. So like, if I don't have records, I'm just gonna make it up. So she's making her stamp in film history with this film yeah yeah um that's so interesting too because like that's impossible (laughs) like I feel like that's just so impossible for like especially all the stuff we know like now about certain film stars like James Dean and like some like I forget there's a woman I was trying to remember um I just watched like a really good video about it um like there was a there was a um a YouTuber I watched their name is Kaz Rowe k-a-z-r-o-w-e um and they make these kind of youtube essays they're probably like the only well-researched <laughs> one of the few well-researched youtube essays that do not annoy me and uh they did a video on james dean and kind of like queer hollywood and there was like a drive-through that people would go to <laughs> to get like hooked up with people and like carrie grant apparently was there like so like people people were gay okay <laughs> yeah like 
well, I confuse Cary Grant with someone else, but Cary Grant. Oh, we usually has... con- confuse him with um uh, Jimmy Stewart. No, no, no. I thought it was Gregory. Was it not Gregory Peck or something? We talked about this. I remember we confused yes. him with somebody else. Like Cary, but remember. like, but like, um, Cary Grant. No offense. Like, I'm not gonna put nothing on Cary Grant. This is not my business. But like, Cary Grant did have. He lived with Randolph Scott for. A, a long term they were roomies for a very long time yeah yeah he had the whole i think he was one of those like you know how like george clooney they used to be like hey why aren't you married yet you are yeah. old <laughs> you are not married that's a problem <laughs> but like yeah and it's no no biggie yeah i mean but like, you know yeah i feel like because it was more career suicide back then i don't know if that's the best term but like you, you know you would not have a career <laughs> if you and then for black people like you can't even even get your foot in the door like and then you go yeah. then you gotta say like people know you're gay like like damn like everything is is too much <laughs> I feel like you know it's definitely like self-preservation but then you have people looking back years and years later and they're just like I would like to know my history and then there is no history for you to know and then that becomes mm-hmm. a tool for fascists <laughs> mm-hmm. and other things that you know seem to be rearing their ugly heads day in and day out um in 2023 so it's it's sad um that you kind of have to make your own history like that you know because I feel like if people you know people like to look at old art and be like these special friends (laughs) these two girls are just special friends it's like just call it what it is. Like, don't even like stop trying to bullshit everybody in this name of like some sort of stereotypical purity of America. Like, give me a fucking break. There is not a part of history where people weren't I, like, I just need people to accept it for where it is in life. There was never, ever a part of history where people were not gay. Yeah. And that's just what it is. And we're it's fine. Yeah, it's totally cool. Just even um, uh, Kaz Rowe did a, a video on the queer history of cowboys. And I think they did one on queer, queer history of cowboy movies, but it was very interesting because um, a lot of them didn't even think they didn't cons- necessarily consider themselves to be gay because they were it's not like I'm the man. And she and he's the woman doing the clean. You know, they're, we're just out here smanging it up <laughs> that doesn't count while we're on the dusty trails <laughs> and uh so people you know of course back then would have different words for certain things but like to say that this has never existed before in like 1950 is just a lie I'm sorry like I don't know why y'all are deluding yourselves but you know I won't rant too much about this we have you know several other episodes planned for this month so in the same theme yes. so I will have plenty of times <laughs> to go off <laughs> Um, so also I would like to say that the um, person who plays Diana, who's named Guinevere Jane Turner, first of all, I had no fucking idea that she co-wrote American Psycho. Did you know that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had never, I did not know that. I don't think I ever paid attention to who wrote, called it co-wrote American Psycho. I, I thought like Brett Easton Ellis had like, was he involved with that? I don't remember. Maybe he, maybe he not as much. Novel, but they well, had yes. to zoom it up. They okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I probably would not like it mm-hmm. if he had. Because I don't want to. No, to live like <laughs> to live in Patrick Bateman's head as it is in the novel. No, you Boring. you slam that book. 
shut. Boring. But with Mary Heron, when she zoom zoom up the the screenplay for what you see on screen, she did wonders for Patrick Bateman. She yeah. made. She said, "Be me a cat." <laughs> like she did that. Yeah. She, she, she she made him a Whitney Houston, like Whitney Houston stand, you know, he doing his little dance. Yeah, because like, he was a Whitney Houston stand in the novel, but it took like yeah. a whole chapter to tell us about how what the greatest love of all was the best song in the world or something. Yes. Like be normal. I know he's not normal, he's a serial killer, but like don't yes. know I want to read that, sir. But literally I, five pages of that. But no, no, thank you. And I also did not realize that she okay, I mentioned this earlier, Go Fish. She co-wrote and starred in Go Fish. Um, which is another lesbian movie from 1994, but it's mostly like white lesbians. So, you know, but I've seen that one too. Uh, it's not bad. It's a little bit crunchy <laughs> being from 1994. And I can't remember where I watched. I feel like Criterion, Criterion just dropped a bunch of movies that they're going to have for June. We're not like Criterion ambassadors or whatever, but um, and the it's movie's going to go off, y'all. Like, yeah, the, good. <laughs> yeah, we're finna eat. We're finna eat for June. Um, now that Netflix is, you know, doing their hostel, whatever, whatever, I might just be fully dedicated to my Criterion subscription, which needed to happen anyway. You can watch Go Fish on Tubi, and I think you can watch it. You can watch it a, a few other places, but Tubi's the free version I see, a free option I see here. So very interesting um, film. And also the person who plays Annie in this movie was a third grip <laughs> on another film that we're going to do this month called The Incredibly True Adventure of Two Girls in Love, which by this time, I think I am the ambassador for that movie, maybe yes. more than the, the director herself. <laughs> The director actually reached out to us one day. I was like, thank you for sharing our movie. <laughs> like, I have been new. I am not new to this. I am true to this. Blue is the warmest color found dead was my review. Like, fuck that movie. <laughs> there are better <laughs> things out there. So it's kind of interesting how the link up keeps linking up in various places. It feels like a community. This is very interesting. I like how this movie feels like a community of filmmakers. People get very irritated when you have like a person that's in this person's movie and it shows up in this person's movie. So people don't like that type of stuff. Um, but I love it. I felt like it was very interesting how this is a low budget movie, but it doesn't necessarily feel low budget. The restoration, they did some shit with this restoration. <laughs> it is fantastic. Um, but I also was like this. It feels very. It just feels like a different time altogether because she works at a video store and is able yes. to pay her rent. <laughs> she works at a video. If okay, the to me the film feels like first feature indie film, nineteen mm nineties. -hmm. Like it literally feels like you're in nineteen ninety five. Mm -hmm. It feels 1995 and it feels like a hug. It yeah. feels like you want to be there. Like, take me to the club where we listen to poetry while pe people play bongos. <laughs> that karaoke <laughs> shit, too. That show had me crying when they went to the club and the white girl. What song was she singing? I forgot. Was <laughs> I was like, they're not them doing karaoke. And Miss Mama got up there trying to sing Mini Ripperton. And I was like, oh, chop. <laughs> it's a <laughs> chop. <laughs> um, yeah, I like that part about this movie probably more than anything. It was just like, it feels very much like 
Cheryl is a part of her neighborhood. She's in different mm-hmm. parts of Pennsylvania, which I think they say they have like little tile cards that tell you like, I'm at Bryn Mawr, I'm in Philadelphia, I'm in this neighborhood, I'm in New York and back and, you know, but I just feel like it it feels very local. People coming together to make this work for her. Well, yeah, it feels very like local in like a positive way. I know local is now like an insult, <laughs> but it feels very much like, I don't know, there's just something about it that feels very accessible um, more so than I feel like other indie movies might, you know, this feels like I would know Cheryl mm-hmm. and I would know uh, her friends and I would know that video store and I miss the video store. Yeah. Like you, you could ask Tamara or Cheryl, like what, what can I rent this Friday? Which is also fun because, you know, <laughs> there was another movie that came out. I feel like around the same time which is Clark's where yes. Dante and, and whatever his name is, um, were both dicks. And Randall. <laughs> Randall. Randall was the worst, but. Right. I hate Randall. Randall Dante's, is. Oh, right. Dante needs to get an, a real Shit life. Together. Yeah. He yeah. needs to get it. And yeah. No, enough talking, Dante. Step it up. But I don't even know how those, how those movies end. I had the second one and that one was pushing the limits of taste. <laughs> Yeah, I ended up giving that DVD away because like the taste level has exceeded this. But yeah, it feels I don't know. I feel like working at the video store, having time to do your art like that feels like such a, a bygone era. Clerks mm-hmm. came out in 1994, by the way. Mm-hmm. A movie yeah. that changed my life. God bless. <laughs> yeah, me being a little kid saying, oh, my God, you could do this. Oh my god! You could, do you could, but should you? I don't know. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm having doubts. <laughs> um, yeah. So I wish. I wish. I feel like that's probably the biggest thing about this movie that always stuck out to me. Like stuck out to me in this watch was how Cheryl could do her art and do her art pretty freely without you know having to. <laughs> work a nine to five that she hated. I mean, she didn't really love the video store, but it wasn't like she had to, like she had no time to do her art. She spends a lot of time doing her art, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and her work helped her art because she yeah. can scam <laughs> on and get resources. Let's scam, yes, <laughs> exactly. Project. Yeah, yeah, she did scam. That was crazy. I was like, how are y'all going? <laughs> how are you going to check out movies under somebody else? And they got paid for that. This is not the library. <laughs> so i guess we should start with the actual like going through the movie so it actually begins in Bryn Mawr um Cheryl and her friend Tamara are wedding wedding videographers she just said they had a videotaping business but they're doing Mm -hmm. wedding photography not wedding photography Mm -hmm. but videography um and Cheryl kind of seems hesitant to call herself an, as an aspiring filmmaker. They have a lot of shots with her, like talking to the camera, like kind of documentary style, like talking head style. I don't really know what Tamara's anything is other than to just, you know, find love and talk shit. Yeah. Do fuck shit and watch porn <laughs> and go on dates with her girlfriend and that's about it. And we don't get any sort of weird like, oh, yeah, by the way, I am a lesbian. It's kind of like 
I think Tamara mentions her girlfriend at one point, like Stacy wants to do this, blah, blah, blah. And it's like established, like they're lesbians. Um, and also I should say, like, I feel like we should also mention that they're kind of more like on the butch side of lesbianism. Like they're not super femme, which it comes out later because there's a lot of analyzing other people. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that term. Are they in the family or not? Mm. It comes up a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, Cheryl kind of, I think she wants to make an art project, but she doesn't know what. And then she gets this movie at the video store called Plantation Memories. <laughs> And I wonder mm-hmm. what that's based off of. Cause I know something awful like that exists, but like what um, movie is it? <laughs> that to me, plantation memories is gone with the wind. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. The plantation memories is gone with the wind. The watermelon woman is lately Hattie McDaniel. Yeah. But this watermelon woman, she's like, it was interesting because she's a mammy, but she's not like what I would consider your stereotypical like Aunt Jemima type mammy Mm -hmm. because she's like slimmer Mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting um yeah that they didn't pick like someone who looks like Hattie McDaniel or looks like somebody else like she would okay oh I know we're not getting to the terms the slurs (laughs) she would be more like after this particular stereotype went out of style she would tech be like when lena horn mm-hmm. began getting more roles in hollywood yeah they show a picture of lena horn i think mm-hmm. what are we categorizing this are we categorizing it as jezebel or <laughs> oh oh the roles for black women in hollywood oh it's been so, so bad terrible. <laughs> They are so it bad. Is, it, y'all, it's bad. It's bad. It, Our legends it have been have failed. To be like a Mammy or a Jezebel or a Tragic Mulatto. Where, <laughs> Which we bad. talked about that too. Yes, we talked about that bad. with passing and imitation of life. Rinny's just sitting it's here bad. with her hand on her head. Like, I can't believe this is our lives. <laughs> Oh god. It's been rough out here, bro. It's been real rough out here. Um, yeah, I thought like if we're gonna do the race science thing that they do online quite frequently nowadays, I thought that this was kind of interesting that they picked a slimmer. She's still like technically dark skinned, but mm-hmm. you know, some people's <laughs> oh god, so, you know, some people be arguing about well, she's not actually dark skinned, and I'm like, oh god. <laughs> Christ in heaven. So, you know, it's a little, I, I would agree because she's like comforting this white lady who's got this big old dress on and the white lady's all sad and I forget what she says. Didn't she say something like she praying for her or something? I don't remember. It was just very, very like, you'll be fine, miss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so embarrassing. It's not embarrassing. It's embarrassing for white people because they thought this was the best thing for everybody. Like, every, it, oh, this is cinema oh Mm. this is exactly how black people are i oh my god this is so this is like catching catching life on film (gasps) oh and you know what a lot of y'all still act like that today if you watch a film from fucking 1938 you'd be like this is just like real life and you are going to hell Uh, who's done that recently you catch somebody like that out there oh yeah 
Filter is kind of wild. <laughs> Brittany, this seems this seems directed to somebody specifically. <laughs> who was it? Who did it? <laughs> God, I just seen I've seen too much. <laughs> seen too much. Well, today I saw um someone oh some somebody in South Carolina put up Juneteenth banners nope. and mm-hmm. they have white people mm-hmm. on them. The white no black people, just white people. <laughs> no, I think it's black and white people. Cause it's about unity. It's about unity when you all left us <laughs> to keep working years after we weren't supposed to. That's very unifying. Mm-mm-mm-mm. You see how a lot of this is the certain demographics of people making themselves feel better when they know mm-hmm. they've done heinous things and they know it mm-hmm. in their heart, but they don't want to face it. So we all got to suffer. <laughs> we, we all got to suffer and have our, our histories erased because you did something terrible and we'll own up mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. So um, she is kind of captivated by this Mammy character. I think that her name is Elsie, but the actress is quite credited as the watermelon woman, which I would be like, what the hell? Um, so Cheryl decides to make a project to discover this woman's identity. And I love the fashion. I don't want to say fashion, maybe personal style. I love the personal style in this movie because in the movie, yes. Yeah. And then the real movie, not the plantation memories movie. <laughs> no, 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 not that plantation. You memory, know yeah. what? I just thought about that. This feels very much like that series in Insecure. Issa. <laughs> <laughs> So I have to, I know Issa probably has seen the watermelon woman was like, yes, let's do that because I hate slavery is iconic. <laughs> <laughs> Who was this? This is Regina Hall, right? Regina Hall and, and what's his face from? I think it was Tony Goatwin. No, no, no. It was, it was, it was, what's his face from Scandal? Jake from Scandal. What's his name? Um, Scott Foley. Yeah, Scott Foley. It was Scott Foley and... <laughs> <laughs> that was like a, a show it was called do north it was a show within a show <laughs> i wonder I, i'm i'm giving the credit to cheryl for this one i don't know if that's direct for isa like it's a direct link but i'm giving it to her i'm giving it to her so uh that just maybe <laughs> i just remembered that <laughs> um but yes i was saying this personal style i love the personal style lots of overalls lots of combat boots Love the tall socks. I love the pink shirt. Yeah. I I love the the pink shirt that Cheryl comes in with. She has these like matrix looking sunglasses at one point. Just fantastic. Wonderful Mm -hmm. personal style. Um, and (laughs) Tamara's not interested in in this project like at all, which I felt really a way about. Yeah. Part of me was like, I get it. Part of me was like, but it's history and it's important, Tamara. Yeah. But also you have people who are just like, I don't want to see any of that shit. Yeah. That's she's like, I'm sick of this mammy shit, Cheryl. Yeah. Because one time you see one, you've probably seen them all. Um, She also said, what she called them? Yeah. I think she called that nigga mammy shit. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, damn. I was like, keep it a hundred, I guess, but shit. Like she's just trying to do an art project. But yeah, but at the, and then it's like, no, like this is important. Like, yeah, it is we, important. As a as a as a as a nerd, like this is <laughs> you need that lady's name. You need her name because she's important to film. Like, 
Yeah. Her story used to be told. Like, cause Cheryl's doing important. She's in doing doing important work. Like, yeah. I mean, it is important. Like, if one woman can be raised like that, like, what's the same for the rest of us? You know. And of mm-hmm. course, like, Tamara's in a position where she's surrounded by movies all day. She doesn't have this kind of scarcity like we have right now. <laughs> Even though we have so much, we have so much access to things. I feel like scarcity or like this perceived scarcity maybe is really doing a number on us where I feel like she's like, there's so many things you could watch. Why would you watch this shit? <laughs> Why would you bother with this shit? And also she's, um, she like pokes at uh, Cheryl that she hasn't had a girlfriend or she doesn't watch a girlfriend. No, all you do since you don't have a girlfriend is watch those boring old films. Which I was like, that was very pointed. How dare you? <laughs> and um, Cheryl replies, I'd rather watch boring old films than watch black porn like you. So I was like, why are you getting porn sent to your your job, your, your place of work? I know it's a video store. I know you're not corporate, but what are we doing? <laughs> I mean, honestly, well, honestly, it's not that bad because it is a video store and they probably have a porn section. Because it's not like family video or like Blockbuster. Yeah, I must say, we, this is not a corporate video store. Your co-workers could be in your business. but Your boss is your definitely co- in your business. Yes, like your co-worker is your bestie. Yeah. But your boss could be in your business. And that's yeah. the yeah, thing. I, th- I think her boss is like one of the few straight people in this movie. Aside from like... Maybe Cheryl's mother, I think. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think everybody else is like gay or queer identifying or even if they don't identify it, I think they're like coded that way. So he's a weirdo. He'd be a little bit, I don't know, just a little standing a little too close to people (laughs) and doing a little bit too much. But I guess Tamara watches her porn to investigate because it sounds like she's watching men's porn (laughs) too I couldn't ball. What was the bald, bald ball (laughs) something? Bald black ball busters. Busters or something. No, I copy. Yeah, no, yeah. Bald black ball busters. She said we will get to we will get to the root. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's very that's very bold of her. Um, so she's steady trying to hook up. Um. Cheryl, which Cheryl says something like I haven't had a girlfriend in like a week or something. And I guess Tamara's like, <laughs> or I haven't had sex in like a week or something like that. And Tamara's just like, that's too long. We got to get you out here back in these streets. So they go to a, a, do a double date at this karaoke bar. I forgot what this girl's name is, but she's got a cigarette holder like Cruella DeVille. <laughs> yes, which is kind of glamorous. But- I, I am pro- Pro this like mm, soap opera cigarette holder, but she was a fucking weirdo. Yeah, so- I feel like it's the wrong place, wrong place for the cigarette holder. And then she goes up there and tries to sing uh, "Loving You" by Minnie Riperton, like I mentioned earlier. And I'm sorry, that's not a song for most people <laughs> that are not Minnie Riperton. <laughs> like- yeah, I think. Maybe Maya could do it. Maybe. Um, I will believe it when I see it because I have not heard anybody sing that song very well. <laughs> I don't think I've heard anybody sing that song. And as soon as she got up there and I was like, that's the wrong attempt. An attempt is shut it down. <laughs> mm-hmm. A mistake is being made. 
Um, so in between Tamara being kind of a weirdo, sometimes um, Cheryl is going out and interviewing people about who the watermelon woman was. She's asking them like, have you ever heard of the watermelon woman? Some people are like, yeah, I feel like I've heard, like, it sounds like she's from back then, you know, like an old Hollywood type of name, which I was like, how many people do you know would be called the watermelon woman back in old Hollywood? I know people had nicknames, but not just like your name is the watermelon woman. Like, all right. And then she uh, meets up with this group of gay guys who assumed that she was simultaneously talking about Rosie Perez and Carmen Miranda. Because <laughs> they were like, isn't that the lady with the fruit on her head, which is Carmen Miranda, but then they call it Rosie Perez. And then they say that she, it was a lot. They were doing a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They were being very extra, uh, but I was like, nobody knows who this woman is, unfortunately. Also, in this scene, one of like one thing I noted, I was like, oh, a septum piercing, and I was like, oh, and I forgot that piercings were not; they were considered alt <laughs> at that particular time. Yeah, this is yeah, having a septum piercing, having a nose piercing, that was like girl, you, no job for you. Like no. my, my cousin likes to tell me quite often. She's like my older, older cousin. She's like in her fifties. And she likes to tell me quite often how she would never hire me for a job because of my piercings in my hair. And I'm just like, congratulations. I don't want to work in your office. <laughs> so yeah. we all won out in the end, didn't we? So yeah, thank God. So that's, we're a kind of, we're not that far away from all that stuff. I feel like still people are kind of weird, but yeah. everybody seems to have like a little baby tattoo or a nose ring or something mm-hmm. so it's not like you can get away with it you can either hire somebody or <laughs> let your business fail i guess <laughs> and they also kept later on they keep making mention of a, a newer person's piercings yeah oh i forgot did we talk about annie oh yeah she hasn't been introduced yet but um Annie is a white woman who starts working at, at the video store with them. And Tamara's like not with the shits at all. But yeah. Cheryl's, you know, cordial um, because they are kind of talking about this other white lady who we find out is named Diana. Um, Cheryl tries to give her a bunch of recommendations and she seems to be kind of like, I don't know about that <laughs> for the most part, which was kind of pissing me off a little bit, but. And Cheryl ends up training Annie on like how to do this woman's account and stuff. And I was um made a straight observation that she kind of looks like Mina Savari. Remember Mina mm-hmm. Savari? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, she has, has vitamin C highlights for <laughs> <laughs> put a smile on your face. Make the Make world, the world a <laughs> place. We had some music, man. <laughs> She does kind of have that. She's like kind of a redhead, but she's got that. I don't know what's going on in the. It was very much like yellow dye, just straight up yellow dye. (laughs) It's really thick highlight, like really thick orange, like sunny D orange. I mean, the e-girl thing. It's the Mm -hmm. e-girl thing. Annie's way ahead of you bitches. Yes, she is so cute. Like her style. I love it. They don't like it. The Tamara, at least in one part, she's like, I'm tired of her like sort of try hard bondage style 
which kind of highlights, I guess, like the difference maybe between like white lesbians and black lesbians, because she's like, I just don't like all that shit. She has like all that stereotypical goofy looking shit she's got on her (laughs) with all her rings and piercings and stuff, which is funny now because that's like the wave (laughs) nowadays for everybody. I mean, pretty much everybody has a nose ring harnesses and bondage wear is definitely has definitely gone mainstream I think mm-hmm. um at least in like the entertainment space so it is kind of funny to see that being like I hate the shit so much <laughs> and she kind of like ostracized for it because back then it would be like alt you know actually more alt than alt I feel like that'd be like underground like super underground I feel like yeah she's a little ahead of when she's ahead of the trends because like the dog collar and like the the harnesses mm. i'm thinking later 90s like 98 99 2000 where you wear your big jeans your jinkos <laughs> your giant yeah. jeans. i don't think we would see like many like like you would still be in the firmly in the alt space to be wearing like harnesses and stuff although i was just thinking about now in my own private idaho uh, Keanu Reeves shows up with a dog collar at one point and I was like Gus Van Zandt you're speaking to me directly mm. <laughs> you you have looked ahead into the future to a young black girl in Texas and said hey aren't you interested <laughs> he looks so great in it I love these clips of Tamara and Cheryl kind of playing around on her rooftop or somebody's rooftop like there's like some intercut things it's almost kind of like I don't say scene filler, but like between one scene to the next, you know, I thought it was really cute. Like it looks super vhs mm-hmm. <laughs> which I love. It's got the lines and everything on it. And I miss it. I miss it. Um, so Cheryl interviews her mom. This is her real life mom um, who doesn't remember who the watermelon woman is <laughs> either, but also mentions Butterfly McQueen from Gone with the Wind, which I feel like she's not as well known as like Hattie McDaniel because did you know who Butterfly McQueen is no I had never I've never heard of her either um and I don't remember her from Gone with the Wind at all to be fair um her real name was Thelma McQueen uh she died in 1995 but she appeared as Prissy in Gone with the Wind and of course she was not able to attend the premiere because why (laughs) <laughs> it's 19 yeah. fucking 39 and she can't go into the whites only theater but she was in a few movies including mildred pierce and um she said she didn't mind playing a maid the first time but because you know she thought that's how you got into the business but um but she had to do the same thing over and over again so she says i resented it i didn't mind being funny but i didn't like being stupid so that's where we were back then very little things we could do outside of like five different roles, maybe. Maybe. Uh, okay. I have seen her in something. I thought you've seen Mildred Pierce. I have not seen Mildred Pierce, oh. but she was in her like final role was in Polly. And I Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Polly a million times. And I yeah, you Polly did mention Polly. Times. Yeah. I have seen Gone with the Wind. I don't remember her character at all. So and I don't seem to be able to find the actual I mean like photos of her in Gone with the Wind. So that's even more kind of like, damn, like, did you just erase her from history? Again, another theme 
Yeah, I don't. Okay, I found one picture. I do not remember her at all. I I think all <laughs> maybe gone with the wind in. You basically get pictures of Hattie McDaniel. She eventually gets to some more research. She talks to a guy named Lee who creates race film memorabilia. Mm. Which at first I was like, what is that? But then I was like, well, I'm sure that's what they were called. Like if you had like an all black cast, it's probably called a race film. So it's not like like creepy shit. <laughs> when you say race film, I'm like, what are we getting into here? But he keeps a lot of like old all black cast memorabilia. The vibes over there were, I don't think I could be in a room with all of that. It's a lot. Do you remember, you've seen Ghost World, right? Yeah. Remember that big ass fucking <laughs> coon picture they had? The coon's yeah. fried chicken. And he had a giant poster that he had like taken from the offices because they didn't want anybody to know that that was their history. Even though the place is, I don't think it was called Coons Fried Chicken in the movie. I think that used to be an old name or something. But I was like, why would you all the time? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some it, of it, it wasn't bad. Like there was a Western, I think. Yeah. Like it's just the I just, names of everything were kind of like sus, but that's not, that's not black people's fault. No, it's like, I just can't, I, I wouldn't be able to be in that room. And again, he's preserving history. Yeah. But I just couldn't be in the room. It reminded me of Bamboozled. <laughs> Why is Bamboozled? Which, one day we're going to, are we going to watch that movie? I hope not. We, I feel like we might have to talk about Bamboozled one day. One, we've gone so far without having to do it. <laughs> but like everything in Bamboozled is like, it's legit stuff that existed. Like some of like the cookie jars and stuff. Like the memorabilia. But he kind of gives like a history of how black films were shown, including black films. Like people wanted to go see black movies. Like black people want to see black movies, but these theaters had to show the black movies before white movies or they wouldn't be able to like keep them like keep their businesses open basically like they wouldn't have been able to make enough money if they only showed black films so there's another kick to the gut <laughs> mm-hmm. um, um that also sounds familiar what what, what now oh because nobody wants to make an all-black movie uh-huh or you know it's very hard to make a, a movie in hollywood you know the budgets we just gonna have to keep them low or are we gonna have to do a deal with Netflix, you know, <laughs> or it's going to be straight to streaming. Put it to the graveyard. Come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Instead of the Walmart $5 bill, <laughs> $5 bin, we got Netflix. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jeez. Yeah, they gave all the budget to Ezra Miller's Flash. <laughs> if that movie doesn't make back its budget, I will be hollering. It's going to because people love mess, but, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's struggling in Hollywood. The, the people at the top are just struggling so hard with their, with their budgets and their bonuses at the end of the year. <laughs> um, and I also love this scene where Cheryl and Tamara go to the library. Remember those? Remember researching? Days gone by. <laughs> um, and it's very uh, telling how the librarian cannot help them find anything about uh, the watermelon woman um he says go look in the black section of the reference section 
<laughs> but then they asked about a woman named Martha Page who directed The Watermelon Woman, um, who is a white woman. Uh, sorry, directed Plantation Memories. They're like, oh, yeah, you can check the reference section. Just the regular old reference section. That's a black one. Just the regular one for normal things. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's like, okay, thanks. <laughs> you shit. Um, so there's a montage, which this is when I got confused because there was like real pictures, but also fake pictures. So I guess she's found like all these pictures of the watermelon woman, which we eventually learn her name is Faye Richards. Um, so you have some like stage photos, which they don't, of course, don't say they're stage in the movie, which is why it confused me because I was like, okay, there's Ella Fitzgerald and there's Lena Horne. <laughs> <laughs> and there's Hattie McDaniel. <laughs> okay, we're going to have to safe space this. Space, safe space the podcast real quick. Okay. The first time I watched this, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait. <laughs> wait, let me get to my Googles and look. Let me say Faye Richards. Okay. Wait. I know. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Because like, did I, uh, is she a lost figure in history for real, for real? And then I was like, oh, okay. okay. I mean, the way okay. things are done, like she could be. We would never know. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I was like, okay, 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 okay. I see what's happening here. Okay, I like this. Yeah, because I, and it took me a minute because I was like, I recognize that face. I recognize that face. <laughs> but I was like, is that, who is that? So I had to like, I was like, is that Ella Fitzgerald? I was like, that's not Ella Fitzgerald. But I was like, wait, that is. <laughs> so she just has a bunch of photos. I don't. Ella Fitzgerald wasn't even in movies, though, was she? Let's bust out this Google. <laughs> no. Yes, she was. Oh, okay. Um, she had a cameo in a film called Pete Kelly's Blues mm-hmm. um, as a singer called um, named Maggie Jackson. And that so. was from 1955. And it was a film starring like uh, Janet Lee and Edmund O'Brien. Um, She's also in a movie called Ride and Cowboy. She played Ruby. It was in 1942 and a man, uh, sorry, in a movie called Let No Man Write My Epitaph. She was uh, named Flora. It was in 1960. This is so weird. I don't ever think of myself being alive at the same time as Ella Fitzgerald, <laughs> but she, we were, we crossed paths on this, uh, on this mortal plane. Okay. What did you find? Oh, no, I was looking at 1996. I know, right? Isn't that crazy? Uh, okay. <laughs> I think after this, uh, her mother connects her with a woman named Shirley um, who tells her that um, the watermelon woman, that's not her real name. She's actually kind of disgusted when Cheryl mentions that name. And uh, she said her name is Faye Richards. And she said, (laughs) and this is funny because at the beginning, when they meet Diana in the video store, Tamara's like, I mean, she's all right if you like white women or whatever. But I wonder if she's in the family asking like if she's a lesbian. And then Cheryl like kind of scolds her for that. <laughs> but then in this scene when they're talking to this woman, Cheryl's like, I think Shirley's in the family. <laughs> it's like she doesn't ask. Um, but what she says kind of confirms it because um I guess they describe how they all used to go to these like basically lesbian bars back in the day. And that Faye used to sing for all of us stone butches. <laughs> I also, she used a word that I was like, didn't we hear this in Dear White People, which is Ofe? That you have heard it not in. I swear we heard Dear it in Dear White, White People. People. I've heard it in. 
Um, <laughs> do you say that again for the for the microphone, please? Uh, I've heard it in life. <laughs> so, how old yeah. is the old head that used this word? <laughs> uh, they were very old. Yeah, apparently this is a derogatory per- term for a white person. I've uh-huh, never, I sure never, is. I've never heard this term. I don't know if this is like a regional thing. I don't know if this is what this, what the origins is. I think we talked about this in Dear White People, and I'm not going to actually revisit that because no. But I thought that was interesting. I was like, that word keeps popping up at the most random time. <laughs> so yeah, so but, you talk, yeah, the character's an older person. Yeah, this is an older woman. <laughs> and bad, bad experiences. Well, yeah, so these clubs were like mixed. Like there used to be white people in these clubs mm-hmm. with them, which is kind of like unheard of for the mm-hmm. most part. Um, but she said that Faye actually used to hang out with the white people a lot. Um, and this Martha Page person in particular. And then she also said that Martha was apparently ugly. <laughs> Very ugly. And Shirley even has a picture of Faye performing in a suit. So Cheryl is floored. She's like, she's a sapphic sister. She's a bull dagger. She's a lesbian. <laughs> she's excited. She's like, I can't believe it. She's like, I always knew. I could tell. There's something about the movie that I could tell. <laughs> and then she says, I feel like we have things in common. Miss Richards, movies and women. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> Cheryl, Cheryl, save yourself. <laughs> she found like a connection. She yeah, connected. she... She does find a connection with this woman. Um, And so back at the video store, we find out that Tamara has been ordering porn under Diana's name. This goes back to the big, the sorry, bald black ball busters. And I was like, ma'am, you have a problem. <laughs> and it's like, it's not just one tape. It's like a stack. Is it? I feel, like some of this, I feel like some of the movies were for Cheryl too, but girl <laughs> because the problem is that diana comes back and the manager the guy i forget what his name is he's like yeah we couldn't get your um movies in she's like i did not order those <laughs> so um they're busted and cheryl apologizes to diana and diana's like well you know you can always come and see you know you can come over if you want to watch one of the tapes because I, I forgot it's like another movie with faye richards in it that cheryl has ordered um and so they're at her loft. We need to talk about Diana. First of all, this big ass house in Philadelphia, not house, but loft in Philadelphia. This girl don't have no job. <laughs> no job that we know of. She has no reason really to be in Philadelphia other than the fact that she just was like, I'm tired of Chicago, so I'm coming over. Can you do From that what? nowadays? No. Well, you can if you're Diana. I mean, she might be rich. That's what I was getting from it. Like maybe that's, her parents yeah, might that's be the vibe, yeah. funding her thing. But I was just like, you just moved and you're just like, I'm in I'm in Philadelphia now. I'm just mm-hmm. out here renting tapes, chilling in my loft, mm-hmm. going to Having the co-op. Time. Yep, going to the co-op to get some some veggies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, what? Hanging out in the neighborhood, you yep. know. Yep, no purpose. She's like, I just want to do it all. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Isn't that nice to just have such free reign to do whatever you want? Um, and they're smoking cigarettes and drinking red wine on her bed. And she is so forward with Cheryl. Takes her cigarette out of her mouth. She's holding cigarettes in both like fingers, like between like two separate fingers, three, four separate fingers, I guess. Like this is and sorry, guys. Um, I'm Brit Tobacco. 
and <laughs> smoking looks cool and maybe we should put it in more film i'm not gonna say you should smoke but probably not smoking on film it does look cool yeah people um, are very mad about jenny or jenna ortega <laughs> whatever wednesday adams little, little mama she took a drag off a cigarette and they said she's she's ending her life and i know many people have been affected by things by smoking family members passing away by smoking my grandpa had emphysema i get it i get it but it looks cool i'm sorry and so many people so many young mm-hmm. entertainers smoke cigarettes yeah so many of them it's not new now i mean if you wanted to switch it up and and puff a usb yeah it, it's not it's no difference and I, actually you probably and have more damage yeah so- it's actually worse apparently i think it's like a pack <laughs> a pack in your jewel in one cartridge or something so i don't know maybe because you can smell cigarettes i think that's really what it is i think if cigarettes were odorless i don't think anybody would really give a shit i i don't support the moralization of smoking it's literally just like like give me a break and the companies are terrible but you know mm-hmm. give me a break very but, evil but yeah. yeah it looks cool sorry guys yeah Good sorry about it <laughs> sorry about it y'all <laughs> we are old and um yeah cue sex scene this is yeah, a and sex scene. Yeah. Boobs, bare ass. Cheryl, you got body girl. And this was different. Like, so the vibe of the film was like very. Okay. The prior to the sex scene, it was kind of like do 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 do. Yeah, the music changes kinda, and stuff. We're kind of like. We kind of like do stuff in the neighborhood. And then it's like a really like a sexy sex scene in the middle mm-hmm. of this film. And Girl, I was like, all right. <laughs> Diana went full force with that tongue. I was like, I don't even know if you licked her actual mouth. You just was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> like, damn, you were out there. Like <laughs> the song is called Skin by Leslie Weiner. If anybody oh. wants to look it up, it felt, you know, very 90s, very like. It's like white people's quiet storm. (laughs) Do white people have quiet storm? I don't know. What is uh, y'all? Let us know what a white. I feel like Kenny G. I feel like Kenny G. is featured heavily on the quiet storm, but I don't know if that's for white people. It's that song. It it would be like with that song, they'd be like boom, 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 boom. You talking about moments in love? About the Arjun noise? (laughs) No, it's a different. Oh, do 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 do. When I okay, someone shazam this and tell us what Brittany's doing because I don't know. I don't know. I just think of like the art of noise and all those. The I ten minute mix. Boom, 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 yeah. Boom, 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 Everybody and their mom has sampled that shit. The world has so many freaks playing skills for you guys. What a moment in early two thousands childhood. <laughs> It's very sexy. It's a good sex scene. Apparently, like this guy, like the Grant people were like, we didn't know we were gonna get all this. So they were like, they like changed the their rules of like what kind of movies they would provide funding I, for. Yeah. Like watching this, I was like, how did this get past the censors? Because uh, I've been listening to a lot of you must remember this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, which if you want to know more about like film history, like I would highly recommend that podcast to check out. Um, it covers like old Hollywood. I'm learning a lot about 
white people have had no interest <laughs> in learning about. Oh my like, god! Like, I'm sorry, guys. Like my my guys are from like the 70s. People <laughs> born in like the 18th, early 1900s. They're not my guys. Please. Um, oh so god. I'm learning. Um, but like learning how like the the ratings work. It's it's feels basically like, at the whim of yeah. the people on it feels, the board. It feels arbitrary. Mm-hmm. yeah so it's like very arbitrary sometimes like um it, what was it like blue valentine getting nc-17 for mm-hmm. coochie eating it, <laughs> yeah like when it comes to women's pleasure it's like no like we cannot show this like yeah. women cannot be pleasured so for this scene to even be in the film it seems like yeah how does this even get in there <laughs> yeah and um and that's funny too because this one is nude like they're fully nude yeah. got some close-ups of some boob it's not it's mostly making out it's just like yeah, a lot of like graphic no it's, it's like, like but people are naked mm-hmm. also it's interracial so that's also an issue still lord help me <laughs> which is funny too because so much now is like i feel like a lot of more recent romances on tv are definitely interracial mm-hmm so I'm sure that had people in, in 1996 or 19. <laughs> I'm sure like monocles fell out. I'm sure like pulling their hair out. I can't believe this. Beanies like spun around or something. <laughs> um, but like the the reason why like the romance in this film is as it is, is because it was based is autobiographical mm. like Cheryl want wanted something that she hadn't seen in film to be shown in film because this is how she lived her life and yeah she just wanted it to be reflected on film okay this is what happened so there was a woman named I think her name is Jenny the Lombard reviewed the watermelon woman for the Philadelphia city paper describing the sex scene between Cheryl and Diana as the hot the quote hottest dyke sex scene ever recorded on celluloid end quote and then someone named Julia Dune or Dwin wrote an article for the Washington Times quoting the review and questioning the um, $31,000 grant given to Denny by the NEA. Um, so then this committee or whatever was like, hey, yo, y'all give a movie to porn or what? <laughs> Which is like, do you know what we were doing in the 90s? Like... <laughs> We were seeing so much crazy shit. And they were like, y'all are giving taxpayer money to porn. I guess this a spokesperson for this representative is like, they don't have any, it was Peter Hoekstra or somebody? I don't know. Who was like, he doesn't have a problem with gay content, just explicit sex, which is like, oh boy, come on, let's not lie. So now the NEA uh, restructured itself by re- awarding grants to specific projects rather than giving funding straight to the arts group for, dis- for disbursement. Hmm. Hater rate on a thousand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah, I should have co- clarified the National Endowment of the Arts, which is the NEA. I didn't say that before, so is my big question is this not art it is art but what the hell Mm -hmm. is your problem but apparently you know um for a while people have been um attempting to abolish this uh, endowment of the arts 
since at least 1981. So every few years they come back, they're like, PBS, no. <laughs> Arts funding, no, girl. <laughs> we do not need any of that shit. And with lesbians, absolutely not. I mean, we are a country that a bunch of Puritans said, hey, we we live here now. And <laughs> it's funny because they were too conservative for fucking England. So. Some people are so like, I think ugh, we we be uncovering politicians dirty business all the time. It's just like, mm-hmm. I think you are down. I don't know who's paying you to say otherwise, but I think you down, sir, sirs and ma'ams. <laughs> but yes, it, like everything else, the arts are being attacked. There's so much we could be doing if we were like spending our time not attacking the arts, but I don't know. Yeah. Like this is a very minuscule budget too. It's like only a, like 160 million, $162 million. The Pentagon gets several trillion dollars of our money every year, it seems like. <laughs> this is a drop in the bucket as far as money. Cheryl says that Diane is not her type. Yeah. But I was like, I think you do like her, though. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you haven't said otherwise. Um, <laughs> but this is kind of a, a, a sore spot between her and Tamara. Because they end yeah, up having Tam- a, a, what, a double date or something. The double date yeah. from hell. What is with the double dates? <laughs> it's a bad idea all around. Tamara and Stacy like try to make polite conversation. Well, not 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 Tamara. No, because Stacy was Tamara was like she's not enjoying that Campari either. And and Cheryl's like, what do you mean? And she's like, she's not enjoying talking to like I went in there and Stacy's not talking to her at all. So they're just like in the room together. <laughs> Stacy's in the room together with her, being like, yeah. So not into this. <laughs> yeah, this and- is where we. We like it's not they not vibing. Nobody's vibing. Nobody's vibing. And the elephant in the room is she white. Yeah, it's really just that she's white. And maybe a little more femme, I guess. I mean Stacy's Mm -hmm. kind of femme, but Mm -hmm. I think she's just kind of like it's really that she's white, which um they even say that Cheryl doesn't usually date white women, but I guess when she Mm -hmm. does that they're like crazy. like the crazy ones or whatever she said <laughs> and they're just not with oh yeah Stacy says why does Cheryl always hook up with these typical white devil types I was like y'all are at a four person circular table <laughs> this is not mm-hmm. a big table you were in somebody's apartment <laughs> this is not some grand dinner table where it's one a very person's- tiny room yeah it's a very tiny room you were right next to the kitchen she can hear you um, they're not with they're not with her at all. And I at one point when she grabbed the, the the blunt a little forcefully, I'm like, can she can she get her puff first before you take it? Wait for somebody to pass it to you. You're a guest in this home. They yeah, they don't like they don't like um Diana. They also no. they really don't like her when they learn like her origins or backstory. They find out she's Jamaican. Yeah, um, she's born in Jamaica. <laughs> I guess because her parents used to travel a lot or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. She was born I mean, in Jamaica. She's, she's lived all over the world. Yeah. So it doesn't and, really, I mean, the Jamaica thing is kind of like an afterthought. <laughs> it's, like, mm-hmm. it's more of like a, what are you saying? But 
you know, I feel like anybody who knows Jamaica's history, there's a lot more than just black people there. But yeah, it just rubbed them the wrong way. And yeah. they just can't, they're just not down. And she's being nice to to Cheryl. She's like, oh, I found somebody who knows, who like knew Martha Page. I think she mentions that it's like her sister or something. So mm-hmm. like she's helping her. And Tamara, again, is not into this project at all. And she's just like... Fuck this. <laughs> Which I was like, damn, Tamara, are you being a hater or what? Like, I know you, the girlfriend is a one thing, but like the project is not enough to be hating on like this to me. So another one of Cheryl's interviews is um, with some people at a university. Before that, I think she she go, kind of watches one of these like, I don't know. I feel like these are like movies or commercials they would show, show at the movies during like wartime because it's for a studio called Liberty Films, which seems like a black studio, basically. And she learns that Faye was involved with the NAACP um, and she was kind of like networking to become like, quote unquote, a real star beyond um, the roles that she had been taking um, in these kind of like white films. So that's an interesting point. But then we get to this university and I just, Brittany, I didn't, oh God. I just happened to look up this lady and I didn't realize she was a real person and I had no I fucking idea. <laughs> this is yes. gonna be, oh my God. So, oh, do you want to take We have a real academic, you know, the watermelon, the watermelon woman, you know, what is so wrong with just the watermelon representing the happiness of black people? Yeah. It's like supposed to be a satire of like one of these like critics who are like, I don't understand why black people have such a problem with this um, depiction of like a watermelon and and, you know, the mammy image is really about fertility and other, you know, because across the world, like bigger women are usually fertility symbols um and i mean she's not wrong about that part but i was like this lady is in bondage <laughs> she's not allowed to really leave these people's house so like it's not a choice it's it's not like and then she's relating it to how she's italian you and know, how my italian the watermelon represents the colors of the watermelon represents the colors of the italian place. girl that was crazy and also like she reminds me of my italian grandmother's cooking in the kitchen and i was like again could they or could they not leave that house where they enslaved? That everybody has some crazy relationships with their husbands, depending on what year they were born. But like, were they enslaved? Did somebody own them? Did somebody have papers where they said, I own this person like a cow? Or <laughs> like, come on. So this is supposed to be a satire, this whole scene. Because when I first watched this, I was like, are you fucking for real? <laughs> But then this time I was looking and I was like, I was like on the Wikipedia digging around. I was like, let me Google this person. And I, I regret that from the moment I regret I, the moment, the moment I typed this person's name into my search bar, I regretted it. So the person in this movie is Camille Paglia, who is playing themselves. Um, and this person is a real life cultural critic. Can I just list out the crimes? <laughs> Can I list all her crimes? I you can I see your face, <laughs> Brittany. Brittany, whatever you're reading, whatever you're reading, it gets worse. <laughs> Brittany's having a face. Brittany's having a face journey. Brittany, your face journey right now. 
It's not funny, uh, actually. It's bad. Can I, can I list out the crimes for the listeners? Okay. Let's start. Uh, Number one. Uh, Let's start. This person is libertarian. Identifies as libertarian. Already so a bad sign. Red flag great. number one. Flag number one. Um, this person identifies as trans, which is not a crime, um, but doesn't believe in special protections for trans people or any other marginalized groups. Flag number two. Does not believe in climate change. Flag number three. Yeah. Um, once supported a pederasty yeah. and pedophilia advocacy, advocacy group and the legalization of child pornography in the 90s before changing their mind and stating in 2018 that we must protect the children. I just don't understand. This is when I was like, I wish, I want, I want to, I want like an explanation <laughs> for um, this person. Because I think they made these statements before this movie came out. So I was like, what? What happened? Because like, Camille is like, I guess like a, she has a lot of, uh, oh, they have a lot of theory about like feminism. I mean, pretty much anything is up for grabs, like uh, for cultural criticism for this person. So um, I'm assuming that a lot of that had to do with like lesbian cultural theory, but like, I don't know if Cheryl was like, hey, Camille's crazy. Let's put her in here. And then it's like a double whammy. <laughs> Of, of like you're satirizing your very position on things like as a weirdo but girl like why would you even it just like when you go down the wikipedia it just got worse and worse and i was like i don't even think i need to actually go for like legit like direct to the source because it's bad it's bad like the role in this movie is bad and then in real life is bad <laughs> and they're turf it's wild out here bro they're very old. They're in their 70s. They are, but it's also like... Uh, and that's no excuse. What in I'm 1990, saying. <laughs> it's not okay. They were trying to excuse it, but being like, oh, you know, in Greece, they had male, little male love. Uh -huh. I was like, that's not okay still. It wasn't mm -hmm. okay. It wasn't okay in ancient Greece. It's not okay now. Why would you say that? It's such a weird... Oh, that God. Is, yeah. That's like, fucking no no why would you do that but yeah they i i believe neil labels Some, themselves as like a bioessentialist which is basically code for turf nah it's like ugh, gross <laughs> so what i'm learning about a lot of academics is sometimes they read they they read a lot they create a lot of theory and they get very high on their own supply seriously <laughs> i'm glad you read a lot but like what made you think that that was okay think they, they think they got out think and rationalize a bunch of bullshit they rationalize <sighs> that climate change is not real they're like well if you don't think biology is real then how can you talk about climate change is real but you don't think biology and gender are real and i'm like oh okay <laughs> so it's a lost cause over there it's a lost cause but yeah it's the perfect role for them it, yeah because wow wowie wowie and it doesn't get any better like the people at this university are mostly white i think everybody she interviews and they're like like she's talking to like students about like do you, are you familiar with the yeah. watermelon woman and they're like uh 
like she's talking to like a group of white students. She's like, are, are you familiar with the watermelon? Well, are you familiar with Faye Richards? She plays the watermelon woman in Plantation Memories. That's how she poses the question. Mm-hmm. And they're like, um, well, you know, I hope she didn't start in the film um, prior to 1960 because we haven't reached black exploitation. Yeah, after the 60s. Our, uh, film studies yet. Yeah, they. It was just funny because usually nowadays people are like, "I do not watch anything before like 1980," and are proud of that fact. But now, <laughs> or I guess back then, they were like, "Yeah, we haven't gotten there yet. We don't know anything about that. Uh, about that, we don't know anything about what you guys were doing in your little film things in the 70s." Sorry, <laughs> it's like, come on, but- white film Twitter. And it's still the same, like, even though we're looking at 1994, it's still the same. I still find films with Black people unrelatable. Like, I still can't, I still can't answer a question about a film with one Black actor. And if I do know the answer, it might be it's Will probably, Smith. It's probably Samuel Zendaya. L. Jackson. It's Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> it's Samuel L. Jackson every single time. Um, yeah, they just don't have any interest. They don't have, like, even if you didn't get to that level in your class, like you would, as a film lover, I would expect you'd be curious about something beyond that, especially since this is the 90s and you were probably born in the 70s or even earlier than that. You're not not curious about stuff that's released during your childhood? (laughs) I know who Henry Fonda is. (laughs) <laughs> I I know who Henry Fonda is. But he said I have sacrificed. <laughs> it's the things have not changed is the fucked up thing. Things have not mm-hmm. things have changed for the better, but um deep down, not really. So um at this point, Cheryl is getting very frustrated with Tamara. Um they do her, Annie, and Tamara do a um videography thing for like a spoken word collective you know um you know how i'm not a fan of that but (laughs) there's a lot it went on for a while but this scene is basically like tamra keeps poking at annie telling her she's doing things wrong cheryl's like you need to be paying attention because tamra is pointing the camera at all the fine women in the crowd trying to scope her out of cutie so Cheryl's getting annoyed um, at Tamara. Tamara's disgusted by Annie. She hates her quote unquote stereotypical white lesbian look, which is the dye, the dyed hair, the dog collar, the piercings. But also she said that Annie makes them look unprofessional next to all those rich white people. Or not sorry, rich white people, rich white black people. Sorry. Oh yeah, I don't she was being a hater. Cause like also Annie's literally probably like a 19, 18, 19. Yeah, she's a baby. Um, Mm-hmm. She went to she went to Bryn Mawr, I think. So she's probably like just graduated. Just a hater. Tamara's being a hater. Mm-hmm. But it also kind of is interesting, like the 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 divisions between this community as far as like how they're perceived. Like it's almost like, hey, you fucking it up for the rest of us. <laughs> You're making us look bad in front of company, which mm-hmm. is like the straights. <laughs> straights and, and rich people. So that's very, it's very interesting to, to see that being portrayed. Cause I don't really think people, certainly not like most straight people wouldn't kind of see the varying different types 
of queer people. I probably only see like one type, usually like something very, for women, I think it's like super butch. For men, it's probably super femme. Um, but there's not, like, you don't have these sort of, we, we do not usually have like, or at least people who do not engage with like movies like this, probably don't have that idea of like the strata between all these groups. Even in this community, like there's still like rifts and division and disagreements and stuff. Um, so Cheryl's covering a lot of ground here. Also, this is a big thing. Tamara says that Diana is a wannabe black girl and Cheryl's a wannabe white girl, which I'd be uh, like, you know, I think the friendship's got to end here. <laughs> I would be like, you know what? Let's, uh, let's, let's table this conversation. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna have to take a little walk. Yeah. Which I was like, damn the, the, the girlfriend or whatever you coming at me like this. I know we running buddies. I know we besties, but yeah. Like what the fuck is your problem? <laughs> be my question <laughs> uh so Tamara's very jealous too that annie gives cheryl the hookup to this archive this lesbian archive in new york she says she's going to new york and you can come see it and Tamara's like why would you even bother there's probably no black lesbian stuff there anyway and annie's like yeah there's a whole there's a whole section like we can go like you can ride with me mm-hmm. we can go up there you can research and Cheryl's grateful. Tamara's like, man, fuck this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Being a super hater. So they go to this archive, which is, <laughs> yeah, the acronym is CLIT. Mm-hmm. It's the Center for Lesbian Information and Technology, which is a send up of a real lesbian archive called the Lesbian Herstory Archives, um, which exists in Brooklyn. Um, but this is a hot mess. <laughs> this place is a hot mess. I don't think I remember this scene the first time I watched it where the archive is there is like yeah everything's gonna be like cataloged and organized right now we don't have that together because you know this is all volunteer work we don't have that power we don't have that power to do that right now yeah so we just got our boxes you can everything is in boxes nothing's on a shelf all the boxes are on shelves but nothing is like Nothing's cataloged, nothing's digitized. It was that takes a lot of time. I don't blame her, but like it's a hot mess. And she's like, Yeah, we'll get to that eventually. And then Cheryl asked her about the black um lesbian section. She's like, Yeah, that's separate. Very separate. <laughs> like, mm. So they eventually find a, a photo of Faye um in the suit again. It's the same picture from earlier that suggests her special friend June Walker, I believe. And the archivist is like, this is a safe space. You're not supposed to be taking pictures of things. <laughs> Respect your sisters. And she's like, get this on the shot. <laughs> get this it's in like, the shot. Mm, let me, ooh, let me get this. Let me get that. Mm, yeah. All right. Mm, bye. Mm, mm-hmm. Deuces. But th- it's a hot mess. I've never had to do any of this like deep archiving like this, but I wonder if it's like that now. I hope not. Like, is it just boxes and boxes of things that nobody's had time to catalog still? Probably. Yikes.com. <laughs> like, I guess if you, honestly, if you would come across something in somebody's basement. That's true. And they people do do that. You. People do um, still regularly find things like in basement archives and stuff just like things that are quote unquote lost to history 
but this is kind of a mess because she even like she doesn't even like nicely take things out of the box. She like dumps the box on the table. Oh, that was stressing me out. She's like, Here, <laughs> we found all this. And yeah, and just dumps it. Over. Yeah, I was like, wait, 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 wait. Uh-uh, so to, there was no hope of this ever being organized or archived correctly because look at this shit. So, um, <laughs> um, so Cheryl and Diana meet with a uh, Mrs. Paige Fletcher, who is Martha's sister. Um, and I feel like this is, was this before or after that Cheryl finds out that Diana has dated several black people before this? I feel like she, this was. I think after maybe after, but still it affects everything. (laughs) I think this is like in together because after her and Tamara have the argument about, oh, y'all like she's fetishizing you as a black person and you want to be white Mm. she has that conversation with diana like yeah not necessarily saying exactly what tamra says it's like confirming things because when she says she's had like three black boyfriends yes so she's not like the first person that Cheryl, me, um, Diana has dated. No, which I would be worried about that too, because like I don't know if you ever want to be somebody's first, but at the same time, three <laughs> in a row. So it is what it so sounds like. So One she barely like, remembered. Yeah, she's like, oh, okay, like I don't know what it's to think about this. It's questionable. It makes you have some thoughts, because you know. And then she also says that her like somebody's relative. In her family was, she said her aunt's first husband was a former Black Panther named Tyrone mm-hmm. Washington. Yeah. And I was like, I was no, like all right, Buck Wild. All right, Buck Wild, straighten up that neck. <laughs> Starting to sound a little crazy. Yeah. And Cheryl's kind of yeah. like, all right. She's like, I'm just going to go. <laughs> I'm just going to keep working on my project. Thank you so much for this information. <laughs> Goodbye. But if this is after the whole thing, like they go to this lady's house. Mrs. Page Fletcher's and she's Martha's younger sister, Martha Page's sister, um, who basically just kind of insinuates that Martha didn't really fuck with black people like that and didn't fuck with Faye like that at all. And is kind of, well, very offended that Cheryl would suggest that she was like a lesbian or lovers with Mm -hmm. Faye. Um, and ends up basically kicking him out of the house or kicks Cheryl out of the house. Doesn't kick Diana mm-hmm. out of the house because Diana is quiet mm-hmm. as a church mouse. Doesn't say shit. <laughs> and it's apologetic. Mm-hmm. Only thing she says, I'm so sorry. So this is like a dead end at mm-hmm. the moment for the research because it's just like falling apart. Yeah, this is when she's kind of, I mean, at least from like more first-hand sources I guess mm-hmm. like somebody who knew Martha Page um, rather than like the gossip circles of Philly because everything else everybody's saying is pretty much like I heard or I saw but I never like confirmed you know like maybe Martha's sister would know but I mean it sounds if you get so like buck over somebody suggesting that your sister was a lesbian I feel like maybe you would be like I know some shit and I don't like that shit that you just said because mm-hmm. I feel like if you just came up to me like, hey, Ashley, do you know your sister is lesbian? I'd be like, what? 
I'd be like confused. Like it'd be more of a confusion thing, you know, before I'd be like, she's not a lesbian. How dare you? And of course she got a black maid in her house. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow. Plantation memories keeps on spinning. <laughs> the cycle continues. Terrible person. Not seeing heaven. Going straight to hell. Yeah. She is like, I guess, more concerned with, um, I guess like preserving her sister's image, whatever that might be. Even though there's like tons of pictures of like hugged her hugged up on Faye. <laughs> yeah, it's like like not like these are fake or anything like within the context of this like universe. But her sister's like, yeah, that never happened. Sorry, I don't know what you keep talking about. Even though many people are like, yeah, she used to be hugged up in the club with people. <laughs> mm-hmm. They were at the club. We seen them with yeah. our own eyes. We have record of that. Like, yeah. It's so, on the record. Yeah. Um, and also had a hopper sink that shit. <laughs> Everybody know your shit. Everybody knows what you was out here, or your sister was out here doing. So, like, I don't know. It must have been, it's definitely probably a sore spot in the family, especially since they're so fucking rich. Like, look at them. <laughs> they look like high society people. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cheryl is scoping out another location, which is a boarded house in Philly. Uh, this scene is kind of like stuck in there randomly because nothing really ever comes of it but like cops mistake her for a crackhead and call her boy and assume that she stole her camera even though one of them was black which we've already talked about black cops on this show before but nothing really comes of this but i'm sure it's not um an uncommon occurrence for her because she's got like short shaved hair she dresses in masculine Mm -hmm. clothing and what do people hate more than anything is somebody dressing like opposite of what their supposed gender is supposed to be, you know? Mm-hmm. So we never see what happens with this arrest or anything. Um, I, this is a scene like along with a couple other scenes where I feel like something else was supposed to happen. And then it edited it out. Yeah. Cause also prior to this scene there's another scene when the scene where Tamara and Cheryl are having that conversation and smoking a blunt and Tamara tells Cheryl you act in white and Diana comes around the corner and say hey y'all what's up did they um and it cuts off oh did did they also didn't talk about this story when Tamara tells Stacy that there was one time when Cheryl called some white lady a nigger at their job. <laughs> and I was like, this story needs to be told. And we don't mm. ever get the story. Yeah, maybe it's like an editing thing. Maybe they had to cut stuff from time. Yeah. So, but I mean, I'm I'm sure that's like 100% has happened to her or other women, especially, I mean, nowadays for sure. But um, it wouldn't seem like it was like an uncommon thing. We just never see like what happens with the arrest or anything like that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure they took her camera. So yeah. like, did that set her back anything? Like set the project back in any way? Um, but we never get that. Um, Cheryl eventually uh, connects with June Walker, who was um, whose name was on the back of that photo, the quote unquote special friend. And she ends up telling Cheryl, that she was Faye's partner for over 20 years and that she, Faye has unfortunately passed away. Um, but also she asked, <laughs> before she even 
tells her all this. She's like, hey, are you are you a sister? <laughs> Cheryl's like, yes, I am. And also tells her to bring over a bowl of like greens, I guess. I don't know if it was uh-huh. Cheryl's idea for the greens. She did the smoked the smoked turkey wings in the greens instead of mm-hmm. a ham hock. At which I appreciate, <laughs> even though when I when I didn't trick everybody to eat vegan we- uh, greens. Oh gosh, um, yeah, you and your smoked paprika. Yeah, smoke put a little smoked paprika. Got that vegetable stock, y'all. It's good. <laughs> I don't know whose idea this was, but I know that they're supposed to have lunch. Um, but June is taken to the hospital before their lunch, so they never meet each other face to face. But she gives Cheryl a package, I guess, with a bunch of like photos of her and Faye. Um, and she ends up going to the hospital, but they don't show that either. She just calls Tamara and she's like, Yeah, I, I met with Faye's like partner, and it was really fucked up. Like, she must be really bad in the hospital. And Tamara does not care, <laughs> and it drives me crazy. She's worried about Stacy and all this other stuff. And I'm just like, damn, bitch, like you hear your friends, y'all here. Like you could you could talk to the partner of someone who was important to film. Like again, film history. <laughs> your best friend is has been working on this project for months at this point. Yeah. And you see you've seen how hard she's worked. You've also helped her work on this project. You've known how stressed she's been about this. I know you are at work, but you could you could get five minutes to be like, oh fuck, man, tell me what's going on. She doesn't even care about work though. She's talking about fucking Stacy again. So I'm like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, or be like, damn, let me like um this man is on my back let's talk about this five minutes after work like I'm gonna call you right back or like call me right back in five minutes like I got you girl like just show you care she's not providing any like support to her at all even if you said oh damn bro that's fucked up because that's usually what I'd be like because I was like I don't know what to say I never know what to say to people but I'm like at least give her a damn that's fucked up or I'm sorry that happened or Hey, let's let's hit the blunt after work later or something. Uh-huh, or let's have a drink. Or yeah, let's meet at the bar. I won't try to put you onto nobody else. Like I won't try to scope out no girl for you. Like let's just talk. But it's just so weird. Like I don't know. It's just very strange how she was like behaving. Which I guess I don't know if it's like a maturity thing. Like it's supposed to be done to show their different maturity levels. Or how this project has changed her, but it always seemed like she was the more mature one out of the two of mm-hmm. them, even from like the very beginning. Um, because like Tamara really doesn't care about like, much outside of her girlfriend, <laughs> to be fair. Mm-hmm. So there's always a lot of tension there. But it is kind of us kind of sad because it's like, damn, like you think you'd have somebody help you out with this, or at least like support you in your your goal. Yeah. So um so she gets this note from June, who's like upset that that Cheryl would want to include anything about Martha Page in a movie about Faye's life, which I was like, yeah, I get it. I understand. Because like, if the sister's nasty like that, who knows? <laughs> who knows how Miss uh, Miss Martha was? And, mm-hmm. you know, again, that, that term from June, if you really are in the family, um, you have to know that our family will only always only ever have each other so you have to like take care of your fellow sister um 
but she's like, yeah, like that stuff that Faye was doing really wasn't something that she wanted to do. And she felt like it was kind of more detrimental to her life than what was worth. And um, she's really salty about it. <laughs> she's really upset. It would have been interesting to see their conversation had they actually met face to face, but we don't get that. So at the end, Cheryl's kind of like, yeah, I don't really know what to do. <laughs> she's like, mm-hmm. me and Diana are not together no more. Me and Tam are also not really friends right now, which we don't mm-hmm. get a resolution for that at all. And um, also, she also says like she feels like she's empty handed. But I was like, how? I was like, you have so much information. I was like, you have pictures from this woman, like personal photos. Yeah. So I didn't know how to take that. How did you take that? I kind of, I, I guess I agree with her to a certain extent. Like I kind of wanted a, a little bit of resolution. Like I, I wanted her to have that conversation. Yeah. So I understood where she was coming from that she didn't get exactly what she set out to get in terms of resolution for the documentary she set out to make. Yeah. But she did get a story to tell like she did she did get a resolution for her story like she got a story like we know who we know who the watermelon woman is yeah yeah we got enough information yeah we have her name we do have her story we know who she is as a person i guess because she didn't get the she didn't get the whole story but she got as much story that she was going to get but she don't always get Mm -hmm. the whole story especially from something that happened that long ago so I don't know. Yeah. And and watching like what is considered documentaries now. Oh she got way she got way more than what girl, we they're did. just piecing together like fucking Huffington Post article headlines and shit and calling it a documentary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's bad out here. Anything can be a documentary now. At least she like fully like went great lengths to research i know none of these people have stepped in the library to research and yeah i was like yeah cheryl went to a library and she didn't just go to the wikipedia article yeah she she stepped foot in the library she went she looked at an encyclopedia she did the equivalent of going down to the reference section of the wikipedias and actually reading the articles that they linked out to She couldn't get the. She talked to some some really good sources. She did her interviews. Like yeah. she did. She did the the steps. Yeah, I think her. Yeah. I think her documentary is successful. Like, I mm-hmm. guess because of how June sort of approaches it, of being like this stuff is not worth talking about. Like those movies aren't really a bright spot in her life. But um, I guess Cheryl says like her story represents hope for her in some form or fashion because she has another historical figure or not historical but like someone from the past who kind of lived in philly might have been going in maybe in some of the same places she was going to who's also a lesbian like her so she has another person to like look back towards you know that was involved in film wanted to be um i guess do more than what she was doing at the time which is what it seems like cheryl wants at the same time you know she wants more mm-hmm. than the video store and going out on dates and going to the karaoke bar <laughs> and stuff like that so maybe maybe that's why she seems she, she has found like a kindred 
spirit in Faye, even though she doesn't have her whole story, which we end up getting Cheryl's documentary, basically, where, um, you know, she has all these photos and things like that, where, um, you know, she, I think she found like the earliest thing she found was like some contest back in the day for like a soda company, bicarbonate, <laughs> something, or maybe baking soda. I just thought, yeah, maybe baking soda or something like that. And kind of traced her history. You know, she met um, Martha at one point, maybe in a club or something. I think the main emphasis main became like her career and how she wanted to grow beyond doing these movies. Um, that's why she went to Liberty uh, Films, or I think the, the, the Black Studio, and she was being put in like gangster movies and, and all kinds of stuff that were way different from being just the watermelon woman. Um, but she, the timing was wrong. And I guess what it was like, maybe the war had broke out or something. So like black films were kind of on their way out. Um, and so she ended up being like a lounge singer. And um, I think until about like 1957, I guess she like kind of retired for good where she ended up being June's partner for basically the rest of her life. So mm-hmm. it's not the most perfect resolution, um, especially like for a documentary filmmaker. But I think, you know, coming up with like any sort of story. I mean, she has way more, like we said, she has way more than she did at the beginning of the film. And hopefully her and Tamara can be friends. Hopefully they can get it together. I feel like that's probably the one resolution I was hoping to get (laughs) that we didn't get. (laughs) How do you feel about the rest? You know, did you want them to be friends after this? I actually did. I you know, it's, it is hard to recover from your bestie telling you you acting white. That is but... a bit much. Yes, I would kind of feel away after that. It would kind of uh, look at you sideways for the rest of our friendship, probably. <laughs> uh-huh. But I also feel like these are the friends that you talk it out with. Like, they feel like they might have the kind of friendship that, no, we gonna have to talk about this. Um, And they just talk it out. Hmm. Either they talk it out or never talk again. Yeah. But I mean, to me, they lean more to like, nah, bitch, we gotta talk this out. Like, Yeah, and I feel like too, like, I mean, Philly again is a big city, but I feel like they're gonna run into each other eventually. I'm 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 leaning toward they mint in repair and move on. <laughs> I'm yeah. hoping like I, that's what I want. Um, and I hope that Tamara sees like the movie at least. I can't be all Twitter pated. Like I can't be <laughs> have my nose wide open for my girlfriend all day. Oh uh, yeah, I gotta please focus. get it together. Mm-hmm. Get it together. Um, yeah. Yeah, I hope it I hope it resolves itself. We're all like making up like what's the story yeah, after like, the story? Yeah, <laughs> yeah for like a almost 30-year-old movie. Yeah, um, yeah. Tell us what's next, Cheryl. <laughs> Tell us what happens after. So yeah, that's the end of the movie. Um, I mean, I would say that we both recommend it. Um, mm-hmm. it's a great movie. Um, like we said, very 
I guess, groundbreaking. We still don't really have many of these, like, Black lesbian thing movies. I feel like we just did, what, Pariah? Yeah, like... That was so long ago, too. And I was not happy. No. When we... (laughs) When we come across like lesbian movies, it's always about white lesbians, and most of the time, yeah, they are dramas. Yeah, I mean, it's not always sunshine and rainbows. I want to get that straight. (laughs) Very few Um, like happy like lesbian movies to begin with. There's very few that we have watched, at least of me that I've watched. I'm just kind of like, well. It's over, which is a big criticism in most mm-hmm. movies. Like most people don't even want to watch. I'll watch anything because I was like, well, this is something I, you know, I'm on the outside looking in. So I don't have the direct sort of, it doesn't affect me necessarily directly like it would somebody else. But yeah, I can see that being quite irritating <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to pop in a movie and be like, well, damn, no one mm-hmm. lived. <laughs> everybody died like when we were watching um portrait of a lady on fire like i mean that was inspired (laughs) yeah like that was a drama but i wasn't i mean it ended but it was like the yearning (laughs) like she had to live her entire life without the love of her life yeah that blows we have with a very low stakes drama about we just live in life, making yeah. a movie. This could be everyday thing. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm not fucking with my friend right now, but that's okay. <laughs> I made a movie. Yeah. Um, I'm happy, even though I didn't get the outcome that I wanted. Um, But y'all can watch the movie that I did make. Here mm. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it's, it's Black people on film. I'm showing you a, a life that a lot of y'all have literally never seen. In 1990, yeah, 1996. Like y'all yeah. haven't seen this, and y'all need to fucking see it. So here it is. Yeah. And our listeners, have you seen it? Let us know, and you need to go watch it. What, yeah. regardless of what your answer is to this, <laughs> if you've seen it, go watch it again. It's on Showtime yes. right now. So mm-hmm. when you finish watching Yellow Jackets, hop on over to watching uh-huh. the watermelon woman it's still on there so you know it is available you can't say it's not available and get some like fashion tips from all of the the outfits that everyone had on because yeah they I, were. I will be dressing like this this summer i know it's like i'd be wearing combat boots and some long socks and i don't own overalls but i do um i do have you know <laughs> I do have those sunglasses <laughs> so lying around somewhere. It's very, very inspired. Loved it. Very accessible, I guess, um, mid-90s fashion. Mm-hmm. I almost wore overalls to this recording just because <laughs> I love overalls. I have not owned a pair of overalls since I think I was like in sixth grade, but they, they are on the comeback. I will say I have seen plenty of people in a pair of, of, of overalls, so um yeah, it's out there. It's out there. Um, I would recommend this movie. And I also recommend a couple of others. I actually have some others for y'all to watch. So I will say the movie that we talked about earlier, which is Go Fish um, from 1994. That's on Tubi. Um, it's very low budget. I don't think it's gotten the the restoration treatment. But they. it's kind of like, these are mostly white women. 
but I feel like it's 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 a lot of I don't really feel like there's like one plot and I can't really remember like what the whole plot really was but I do feel like it was kind of like finding love in like 90s Chicago basically um so it's not a drama at all (laughs) I, I mean I didn't think it was a drama it has some drama moments but I don't think it's like it's not like Portrait of a Lady on Fire. <laughs> if that's what it would be, uh, that, if that would deter you, then you don't have to worry about that. So that's a good one. I just watched one called Billy and Emma. That's on Tubi. That one is a Filipino movie from 2018. Um, it actually features our our homie from uh, <laughs> from Triangle of Sadness, Dolly DeLeon. She plays... Uh, the mother superior at this like Catholic school um, where these two girls um, it's also set in the mid nineties. These two girls like fall in love, but also one of them um, has gotten pregnant by her boyfriend. So there is another layer to the madness. (laughs) And then I would also uh, recommend Rafiki, which is a Kenyan movie uh, directed by Renuri Kaihu. Um, which that was a little bit more, that was a little bit more stressful, I will say. But it's very pretty. It's cute. It's from uh, 2018. I think there's a happy ending. There's a happy ending. It, it gets a little, it gets a little rough in the third, in the second, end of the second act. But it's a good movie. Um, I recommend it. Let me see if it's streaming anywhere. Oh, that one's also on Tubi. So you have a full Tubi lineup um to enjoy for this june Tubi, come sponsor us we out here we're lifting up your name pretty much every episode please notice mm-hmm. us senpai <laughs> so those are some really good ones i have a ton i actually have the whole like playlist not playlist sorry watch list of movies that i are not like your your carols or your handmaidens or all that. These are more indie, um, a little bit harder to find. Um, I have a whole list of them. I think it's up to like 52 or 55 on Letterboxd. I will link it in the show notes so you can go and find some. Um, I cannot guarantee all these movies are good because I have not finished all these movies. Some of them are really hard to find. Some of them are only on Tubi pretty much once a year, which is annoying. I've looked at Ashley's list um, and a lot of them have like popped up in Criterion collections from time hey. to time, like hey. Parting Glances, yes. starring Steve Buscemi, which is a great film. If you could find that, please watch it. I think that one's on Tubi too. I just watched that one on TV not too long ago. Oh, hell yeah. Go watch that. And like li- The Living End, which I feel like we're going to... Not do an episode, but it probably will eventually come up in conversation soon. Yeah. Um, in a upcoming episode. Isn't that on um that's on Criterion right now, isn't it? Or no? They, they took it down. Come on. So they always oh, on Canopy. If you are a library supporter, go see if your library has a uh, Canopy and go check that out. Um, I kind of swore that was on I thought that was in that list. They put mysterious skin on there and I said we will not be revisiting mm-hmm. trauma. <laughs> And at this at this time but yeah i try to put up movies that are not exclusively white or not exclusively 
exclusively from this country. Um, so you have a lot. I, again, can't uh, guarantee they're all winners because I have not seen most of these. I am up to like, what, movie 29? I'm going to watch Buddy Electric sometime soon, which is from Brazil. So if you have any resources for seeing some of these movies, because I do not know how <laughs> I'm going to watch a few of these, actually. Um, yeah, if you have any other suggestions, let us know. Hit us up. Email us at blackgirlfilmclub at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter. Um, BLK Girl Film Club on Instagram, Black Girl Film Club. Um, or on our website, blackgirlfilmclub.com. You can now join our Discord server. Yes, we just launched that recently. So, you know, go check that out. Is Black Girl Film Club. Mm -hmm. If you search that on Discord, yeah, you could go join it. It seemed like it was jumping yesterday. Um, I'm still a little confused on how everything <laughs> works. But yeah. it seemed like a couple of you were saying hi yesterday. So thank you so much. Yeah, we're figuring it out. We're going to we're going to make that work and, you know, start some conversations over there. And also, if y'all want to know what I'm watching, like on TV, because if any show exists, I'm probably watching. Like, have y'all watched Miss Davis? I'm going to let y'all know what I think about Miss Davis <laughs> on Discord. Yeah, yeah. You'll probably get the full Britney experience if you do not follow her on Twitter. So just watch out for that. You may have signed up for something crazy, but we don't know. <laughs> We have some fun stuff planned though. So yeah, go follow us on Discord. It's also on our link tree. If you didn't get, um, if you're not like familiar with Discord, you can find the link on our link tree. Um, so yeah, we have another fun episode coming up. The Incredibly True Adventure of Two Girls in Love. Can't wait. It is currently on the Criterion channel is what I believe. I hope so. Because I've only watched this movie on a very, very, very crunchy uh <laughs> YouTube <laughs> YouTube channel <laughs> and if no. I'm not mistaken I have to double check it might also be on Tubi I don't see it right now but I mean it might pop up I know it was at one point in time it's a cute movie um Miss uh Nicole Ari Parker Nicole Ari Kojo Parker <laughs> <laughs> um is is in it and it's about two girls who basically are i mean they fall in love it's uh she's like what the rich rich black girl and the white girl's like a kind of a scrubby scrubby little teen it's cute i forgot how i found this movie um but I've watched it a couple of times and I have been pretty vocal on Twitter being like, watch this movie. So uh, yeah, everybody needs to watch this movie. Um, it's adorable and it's pretty chill. I mean, you have your, 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 uh, you know, your everyday teenager things running away from home together <laughs> and things like that. And I just, I don't think I've ever heard Nicole Ari Parker even talk about this movie. Yeah, I had no idea she would be in it. Yeah, um, it doesn't seem like a movie that, you know, when we look at our pantheon of Black actresses from the 90s, like, it just doesn't ever seem like something that that we would have caught her in. Like, I know her mostly from TV. Mm -hmm. So it was very interesting to be like, oh, hey, I know you. Yeah, TV and my divorce. 
<laughs> my divorce. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's a cute movie. Um, I'm excited. I think you got like some um, press, if not last year, the year before that. Um, so it's getting a little bit more more attention, more recognition. It's very cute. So, um, oh yeah, I'm sorry. It was um, released to Blu-ray last year. And it was also screening um, on Sundance. You can watch in the digital one. That was uh, in 2022. So actually it did get a restoration. It was digitally restored in 2022 uh, with the assistance mm. of the Sundance Institute. So shout out. If you can go mm. watch that, I would all encourage you to do so. But until then, mm. I guess hit us up on Discord. We'll say hi. Um, mm. And yeah, look out for our next episode. We got some cool stuff planned this month. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Anything else? Nope. That's it for me. Okay. Cool. Bye. Bye, guys.